Scotty, we're like 30 yards off. Come on. Let's get it right next time. Yes, you're at church. I always wanted to, like, go, you know, shields up, you know. Yes, we have, uh, how, how many How many Star Trek fans do we have? Let me see your hands. Come on, raise your hands. All right, how many of you are embarrassed to admit you're a Star Trek fan? <laughs> how many of you remember the original series? Uh, how many of you are old enough to remember that? Yeah. All right, let's see what you remember. A little trivia on the original series, okay? All right, what was the name of the spaceship? Enterprise. Okay, who was the captain? All right, anyone know his middle name? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right, who, who was a Vulcan? Spock. What was Dr. McCoy's nickname? Bones. All right. Who was the chief engineer? All right. So we actually, a lot of us are Star Trek fans, huh? <laughs> you remember the, the intro, you know, space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's a five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations to boldly go gone before. Well, parents, it is a strange world these days. And we are to boldly go, sometimes not so boldly, but where no generation has ever gone before. It's a new world, absolutely a new world. How how many parents do we have? All right, how many of you... Our parents and your kids are still in the house. How many of you are parents and your kids have come back to the house? <laughs> All right. How many of you have raised your kids? How many grandparents? All right. How many of you have nieces and nephews? All right. How many know someone that's a parent? <laughs> how many of you had parents? <laughs> yeah. Here's what I want to say up front. I want to encourage you, whether you're a parent or not, to be here every week. Because I know the tendency when I do a series like this is we kind of go, okay, I already raised my kids. I don't need to know that. Or I don't have kids, so this isn't for me. And the fact is, if you've raised your kids, there's a good chance you're going to have grandkids. Uh, you may have kids next door. And for those of you that have raised your children, and maybe you've already raised your grandchildren, I I hope you'll be a source of encouragement to people that are in the trenches now. Because parenting is extremely challenging. You know, Mark Twain, he was talking about parenting teens, and he said, when they're 13, put them in a barrel and nail it shut. And feed them... Through the knot hole. That was his advice. <laughs> he went on to say, when they're 16, plug the knot hole. <laughs> Parenting is full of challenges. And those challenges, 
They change all the time. In fact, sometimes on a daily basis what the challenges are. And I believe if you take parenting seriously, you are always looking to sharpen your parenting skills, to be able to rise to to the challenge. And I find it interesting when I was doing research on this, there have been 10 new books released every day for the last 21 years. That's 75,000 books on parenting. And what that tells me is that parents are looking for answers. You know, publishers do not produce books unless they think they're going to sell because they're in the business of making money. They produce where there is a market. And so if you're looking for help with parenting, there's a lot of stuff out there. But I believe that God has a better way. And I want to say before I launch into this series that I need to give you some biases of mine up front, some general observations that I'm operating on so that you'll know where I'm coming from. First of all, I believe at the core, I believe that children are a gift from God. The fact is that God has given parents the express responsibility of raising their children. I also believe as a psalmist, and you hear this from me a lot, that every single person on this planet is fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are one of a kind, we are unique. There has not been anyone in history And there will never be anyone in history that's exactly like you. And so that means each child is unique. Consequently, it eliminates the possibility of one size fits all. You know, I love something I love. I'm always observing people, but when people have their second child. Because initially, they're all geared up. And they think, I'll do what I did with my first child. And they fully expect the same results. How many of you have more than one child? You find out real quick, don't you? You have to adjust that what was easy with the first child may be a challenge with the second or vice versa. And and the fact is, as a parent, you figure out pretty quick that you have to approach things differently with your children since they're each unique. Therefore, parenting's unique. Experts in the, in the field say there are really three styles of parenting. One of them's parenting by default. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure it is parenting. But basically, it's the hands-off approach. You kind of let your child explore and go wherever they want to go. Let them figure it out on their own. Let culture, society decide where they're going to go. And so we basically throw them into the world and say, find yourself. There's also parenting by democracy. And I think this is the popular one these days. This is where we take our cue from popular culture, the latest fad, the latest trend. And so we look to what's in vogue for the day. And so parents kind of experiment. They kind of dabble here and there. Uh, they, for a season, they'll work with this, and then they throw that out, and they shift to the next latest, greatest, greatest craze in life. 
And I'll be honest with you, it's kind of appealing. It sounds American. And we run with this assumption underneath it all that the majority, the voice of culture, must be right. You know, kind of let freedom ring. Consequently, I think that we look at measuring ourselves as parents by culture. You know, how well we're doing by looking at culture. You know, and we say, well, you know, I I provide for my kids. They've got a roof over their head. They eat well. They've got a lot of clothes to wear. They're doing really well in, in school. We go to church fairly often. They've got decent friends. They're not in a gang. They're not getting drunk. They're not doing drugs. They're not crazy sexually. They're not into satanic worship. They don't have criminal records. And hear this, we kind of pick and choose the benchmarks and we compare it to culture based on something we created instead of God's expectations of parents. You know, most of God's ways are not addressed in the activities that we promote, that we encourage, or that we endorse as families. And friends, you get what you measure in life. You know, if intellect, if that's what you're measuring, if that's what's important, if that's the goal, then you focus on scholastics, you focus on studying, you focus on grades, you focus on being able to perform in that particular area. If it's athletics, we focus on speed, strength, agility, specific skills. And the fact is, it messes us up. You know, God measures the heart. Now, I do not want to be misunderstood. I think it's important to develop those things scholastically and and sports and all all the things that, that help a child develop, whether it be intellectually or physically or relationally or emotionally, all right? But God says there's something even more important, and that's heart, that we need to look at our children's heart. You know, when it comes to, to parenting, basically you've got a choice to make. You can parent by default, throw them out there, see what happens. You can parent by democracy, you know, experiment with your kids, check out the latest craze on TV, you know, read the latest book. Or we could parent by God's standards. Using God's word as a foundation for parenting. Let, let me ask, because I'm just curious. How many of you believe that our culture is more honest today than it was 50 years ago? Let me see your hands. Any bites? <laughs> Are you lying? <laughs> How many of you believe that people are more likely to cheat today than 50 years ago? How many of you believe that people are more likely to steal today than they were 50 years ago? One more. How many of you believe that culture is moving in the right direction? How many of you believe it's moving in the wrong direction? Here's the thing. 
children. Children grow up and they create culture. And today, our children today, the young ones that are out in the zone right now, will determine our culture in 15 or 20 years. And so what I want to say is there's a lot at stake on this one. Now, I want, I want a little clarification because my intent in this series is, is not to beat up on parents. It's not to create a lot of guilt. The fact is I'm doing the grandparent thing now, and I look back and I realize there are things I should have done different, so I'm trying to make up for it. But what I want to do in this series is identify what is our responsibility according to God for our children as we parent them to help us navigate the the challenges of this new world, to look at broad issues. I, I hope to encourage parents to give them some practical application along the way. Um, through this series, I want us to look at what do kids need? What do they say they need? What do we know that they need? And what do you do when things go off course? Because if you're a parent, that happens often, doesn't it? It doesn't go the way you plan. How do you deal with discipline? And, and then there are a lot of unique challenges today that we're going to look at, things like the Internet, you know, social networks, Facebook and uh, Twitter and, and different things. So... Um, my, my hope at the end of this is that we get a good picture of how we can successfully launch our children into adulthood so that they can live life to its fullest, that they can reach their God-given potential. You know, in Star Trek, uh, the Starfleet kind of operated with a, a general order that they had. It was considered the most important order. It was number one, and it was called, anyone remember? Prime directive. It was a prime directive. It was a rather lengthy piece, but basically in a nutshell, I would say it was do no harm. And then there were details on how to avoid doing harm to people and cultures and and different planets. But it was a prime directive. And that prime directive, it took precedent over everything else. It was considered a moral obligation. In fact, it states that in the the prime directive. And what I want to do is share what I believe is the prime directive for parents. It's the most important thing we do as parents, and this is going to be a tough message today. And I'm not giving this because it perpetuates the party line or I want to keep my job as a pastor. I'm sharing this because it works. And the prime directive, parents... Make God known. Make God known. First, most important thing that you can do as a parent is make God known to your children. Every activity in your life ought to orbit around that value. You know, children at a, at a very young age, I mean, it's surprising sometimes how young they, they start searching for answers. They'll ask things like, you know, why am I here? You know, why, where am I going? You know, what's the meaning of life? What was I created for? You know, where do we go when we die? And a wise parent begins to turn to God for those answers. I mean, some of the questions children ask are are tough, aren't they? True? I mean, sometimes I just, my grandkids, they'll ask something. I'm like, okay, how how do I answer that? 
know, they, they'll ask things, you know, Mom, Dad, will we see spot in heaven? I mean, that's a, it's difficult, isn't it? True? I mean, sometimes we struggle with this stuff. And what I can tell you is that shrugging your shoulders, giving them a quizzical look or patting them on the head and telling them to go on and play or whatever will not cut it. Kids want answers. And you've got to know God to make God known. You have got to mark your kids at an early, early age. You know, nothing breaks my heart more than uh, parents bring me their kids when they're 15 and go fix them. (laughs) You know, and I kind of go, whoa. You know, the fact is they need to know at an early age that they are fashioned in the image of their creator, that they are unique, that they have unique aptitudes, they have unique abilities that are God-given. And when they give themselves to God and they use those aptitudes and those abilities and those talents for God, what ends up happening is they can reach their full potential, whether it be relationally or spiritually or vocationally or emotionally, that when they tap in with God and dial in and begin to live for God, that it changes everything. I mean, when kids discover that they're not accidents, that they're not here by chance and circumstance, I believe it registers profoundly in them. You know, all of a sudden they begin to say, you know what, I matter. I'm important. I have a purpose. You know, I have an agenda for my life. I am loved by God. I'm a much-loved person. And parents, there is something off the charts fantastic. When you know God... And you make God known. Proverbs 3, 6 says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Make straight your path. See, I memorized that in another version. Parents, hear this. You cannot make known somebody you don't know. I mean, a lot of us know about God, but we don't know God. You know, it'd be like uh, me going out and spotting a guy running down the street, and uh, he's got his name on the back of his shirt. Got a jersey on, says Joe. And so I get home, and I get the family together and go, you ought to know Joe. He's a really cool guy. Hey, kids, you ought to meet him. He's incredible. He has an excellent shirt. He walks pretty fast. Oh, cool shoes, cool. And the kids would be going, what? I mean, it'd be lame, right? You're going, that's a stupid illustration. But the fact is, I could not make him known because I don't really know him. I just know about him. I spotted him. I mean, how can you make known someone you don't know? Some of you are sitting there right now. And you're thinking, this is the most important thing to instill in my child? And if you're thinking that, there's a couple things I know right away. First of all, you may know a lot about God, but you don't know God. You don't have a relationship with God. Because if you did, you would be off the charts knowing that it is the most important thing. You, you would know that 
them connecting with God because of what it does for your relationship is something off the charts. And I also know, and this is the tough one here, that one day you're going to regret that. I mean, unless your child finds God on their own. The fact is, as a pastor, I have been with way too many families. Been in ministry almost 30 years. And I've been with families that have lost adult children. And you know what? I have never, in all those years, all those families, I've never had a, a parent go, I wish I'd have gotten them in more activities. You know, I, I wish I'd have got them on more teams. I wish I'd have bought them more stuff. No, I've heard many times, I wish they had had a relationship with Jesus Christ. I wish I'd have spent more time with them. Flip side, I've had folks in the midst of the grief and their struggle, they'll say, I'm so glad I taught my child to love God. And friends, I'll tell you, there's something that I I can't even get my mind around or imagine spending eternity without my kids. I just can't, I can't even fathom it. You know, I pray every week that everyone here would come to a point to say, you know what, I want to do life God's way. I want to know you, God, more than anything. Some of you need to take that step in your life. You need to make Christ your Savior. You need to get to know God and start a relationship with Him so, so as you know God, you're able to, to share God. Now, let's assume, and I know many of you have made that decision in your life, but let's assume as a parent or a grandparent that you put God first. I mean, how do you make God known to your children? Well, one, one thing you can do is pray with them. I mean, do you pray with your kids at mealtime, at bedtime, anytime? You know, do, do you pray with them? You know, talk to them. Uh, in other words... I think there's something that happens when our children see us praying. I mean, one, they see mom and dad kind of subjecting themselves to God's authority. And I think it helps them subject themselves to your authority while they're in the home. And I believe when we pray with our children, we share with them age-appropriate, okay? Hear that, age-appropriate stuff, you know, what's going on in our life, needs, thanksgivings, fears, or or whatever. And I believe as we pray together, a family's drawn together. Have you ever noticed that? If you pray with someone, all of a sudden there's some walls that drop. We feel a little bit closer. You know, teach them how to pray. Huge. It pays in high dividends. It, It will change how they live. It'll change how you live. You know, read the Bible with them. And you may be thinking, well, my kid's only two or three years old. Well, find a Bible. You know, go to the Christian bookstore. Get something that's written at their level and talk about the stories. You know, talk about a verse. Again, age-appropriate stuff. You know, a two-year-old's not ready to take on the Trinity or something like that. But they get jazzed up about David and Goliath. You know, talk to them about what that means. The implications. Teach them the importance of that story. The wisdom of God's word. Again, I believe when children 
when our kids see a Bible open, actually being used, it reminds them that there's a greater plan for their life, that there's a better way than what the world has to offer. You know, attend church regularly like you're doing today. And I'll just be blunt because sometimes people go, what do you mean regularly? Well, it's not every once in a while, hey, we'll see if we feel like it. You know, it's being here two or three times a, a month, you know, dialing in, connecting, get your kids in the zone. You know, let, let the, this church assist you. You know, again, I want to be clear because sometimes people think, oh, it's the church's responsibility. No, it is the parent's responsibility, prime directive, make God known. Now, the church is here to assist you. We hope to impact our children. We hope to impact the parents, to encourage parents, to cheer you on. But parents, you have the most influence in your child's life. And there is nothing greater than seeing children discovering and learning that God is head over heels in love with them. You couldn't even put a price tag on that. It's the most important thing you will ever invest yourself in. Invest your money, your time, your energies. Teach that. Help your kids develop a relationship with God. So they have a foundation to build on. So they can grow. So they can mature. So they can learn godly character. So they can experience true happiness. Like we talked about in our last series. True peace in their life. Now, parents, your kids can't drive here, and we can't beam them in. You've got to get them here. You've got to resolve to make that activity, knowing God, that you do everything around that value. Prime directive, know God, make God known, number one priority, everything else, back burner, Matthew 6, 33, Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. And he will give you, what's it say? What's it say? That's absolutely true. You know, parents still go, oh, but I got to give, oh, I've got to. You start with this and you get all the other stuff. Second thing you need to do, chart a course. Chart a course. On almost every episode of Star Trek, uh, Captain Kirk at some point will say something like, chart a course, Alpha 5, full full speed ahead. You know, chart a course, Lima, warp speed. And off they go. I mean, after a few complications and some mechanical issues, you know, maybe a battle with the Cleons or some other alien, trouble with Tribbles and, you know. I mean, how many remember that episode? I think that's the only episode I saw as a, as a kid, actually. But uh, every episode was a little bit different. But they would face the challenges. They would navigate the, the difficulties. They would get things back together. And because they had charted a course, they knew where they were going, and they usually got there. You know, I'll never forget my freshman year in uh, school. I was up at Lincoln playing basketball. And we got the chance to play a practice game. We were going to play uh, Illinois State University up there. And um, so I'm jazzed up. Had never been on a court like that. And we're warming up beforehand. And uh, the coach calls us together. 
And I'm thinking, he is going to give us an off-the-chart game plan. We huddle up, and he said something to this extent. Go out and have a good time. And I'm going, what? Are, Are you kidding me? Go have a good time? Now, I can tell you, ISU had a great time. They beat us by 31 points. Here's the point. Parents, you need a plan. You need to chart a course. In fact, I believe why many families struggle is they have no idea where they're heading in their lives. You know, three millennia ago, Joshua, he charted a course for his family. It says, as for me and my house, what? We'll serve the Lord. We'll serve the, war- the Lord. I want to give you some homework to do this, this week. Families, sit down together and begin to chart a course for your family. Now, I want to give you some main coordinates. The, these are what I consider the non-negotiables. It's kind of a priority list. God first, family second, Work third, and then you figure out after that. But build a course with those priorities. You know, I remember when our our kids, they were like junior high, and uh, Cindy and I were pastoring in Palmyra, and we were were youth leaders, and we were teachers. We did the bulletin. I mean, we did everything, and and were wore out most of the time. But we were working with the youth, and it was a serious family survival. And I remember asking our kids, I said, what's family? Totally quiet. Didn't say a word. I'm like, okay, that's not a good question apparently. What if you didn't have a family? Oh, man, did they light up? Well, we wouldn't wear seatbelts, and we would watch videos all night. We'd eat pizza and Twizzlers. I'd have Pepsi for breakfast. I mean, my life would be grand. And then Stacy, she was our oldest, she got kind of quiet, and then she goes, Dad, if we didn't have a family, we wouldn't have an example. And that, that stuck with me all these years. Because I thought, wow, out of a junior high kid. Start charting a course for your family. You know, start with one or two sentences, you know, Family, a challenging frontier. These are the voyages of the starship. Put your family name there. Starship Talkington. Our lifetime mission. Here's where you fill in the blank. Things like honor God with everything we do. Spend time together, quality time, with the TV off. To encourage one another in good times in the tough times. I mean, you get the idea? Just one or two sentences and then build on it. And I'll tell you what will happen if you're willing to do that, if you're willing to sit down with your children and say, let's talk about what we are as a family. Suddenly, your children will go, hey, we're, we're moving the same direction. We're, we're together on this. You know, Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. 
God charted a course right there. He says, that's, that's a pretty good plan. And, and then he tells us how to put it into practice, the very next verse. He says, keep these words that I'm commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away and when you lie down and when you rise up and when you're watching TV and when you're messing around and goofing off and when you're having dinner. As a family, God says, you know what? Chart the course. Love me with all your heart. And he says, I'll tell you how to stay on the course right there. Start living it in your day-to-day. And then he gives kind of a marketing challenge. It says, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, chart a course. Make sure that's a shared experience, that you actually do it as a family. And then showcase it. You know, write it down. Write down those one or two sentences. Put them on a plaque. Put it on the refrigerator, on a keychain, or whatever. But celebrate those. Remember those. Chart a course. Last one here. Captain your starship. You know, Captain Kirk, it's interesting, as I was kind of researching and studying, he, he was responsible for the starship enterprise. He knew his crew. He knew their strengths. He knew their weaknesses. He helped them when they were struggling with things, giving latitude sometimes, and taking command when he needed to, when it was necessary. And he studied his ship and crew. I mean, he was really a great captain. And parents, you're called to captain your starship, your family. You know, if you're going to captain, it means you've got to study your children you got to identify their strengths, their weaknesses. you got to help your kids try things, to discover things for themselves, to, to see what kind of puts wind in their sails. You know, applaud them when they face challenges. Encourage them to face challenges. Help them understand why they succeed. You know, give them latitude. Hear this one. Give them latitude to fail. If it will not kill them or permanently hurt them, in some way, let them fail. And then help them understand why they failed and be alongside them to encourage them. But I, I truly believe that if you do not allow your children to fail sometimes, you just do them a disservice in life. Because life is full of failures, right? I mean, big time. Sometimes you have to take command because things are way too dangerous and they don't have a clue. But ask God to give you discernment, to give you wisdom along the way. You know, if you do that with your children, you will help them vocationally and relationally. You will help them in every aspect of their life, and you will help them reach their full God-given potential. And here's something strange. When you cheer for your kids, they'll start cheering for you. Parents, captain the starship. Develop the crew that's there. Now, a little sidebar, because I didn't even know where to, how to put this in, but parents, do not live your lives, your fantasies, your dreams through your children. I mean, it goes something like this. You know, maybe you excelled at something. You were really good at it. Or 
Maybe there was something you weren't good at. Or maybe there's something you didn't stick with and you wish you had. So instead of assessing your child and their gifts and their strengths and allowing them to explore and find their thing, it goes something like this. Okay, you're going to do this better than I did it. I was good at this, so you're going to be good at it. I didn't do this, and I wish I had, so you're going to do it. And, you know, I, usually if I'm talking to parents, and they go, oh, I wish I'd learned to play the piano. And I quit, but I'm going to make my kid play, and the kid's kicking and screaming the whole way. And I'll usually say, Mom, go take the piano lessons. Let your kid go. Try to work with them. Do not force them into a mole. It doesn't fit them. You can't do that to them. You know, a while back, and unfortunately I've had way too many conversations like this through the years, but I was talking to a guy that during high school, he really felt God tugging on him to go in ministry. And uh, he went home and he was jazzed up and excited about it. And he told his parents, and uh, these were active churchgoers, And when he told them, they go, what? Ministry? Making a difference for God? No, no, no. That's not going to happen in this house. You're going to go to this college. You're going to get your BA. And then you're going to get your master's. And then you're going to marry this type of girl. And seriously, it broke this guy. Now, fast forward. I mean, 50 years later, I'm talking to this guy. Oh, he followed his parents' prescription for him. Went to college that they chose. Got the degrees that they chose. Finally found a girl that they approved of. And friends, he's got all the awards, all the toys, all the trinkets. But if you talk to him, he's depressed. Down deep, he would tell you that his entire life he felt like he was in prison and he was doing time. And I'm looking at a guy like that and I'm thinking, you know, he he was made to fly, soar, have a huge impact, to enjoy life. And I'll just be honest, it's sad. It's just sad. And I hear stories like that way too often. Parents, do not underestimate the influence that you have on your child. What they will do to try and make mom and dad happy, make mom and dad approve of them. Don't do that to your kids. You know, help them discover that they're unique, their unique potential, their unique gifts, their unique aptitudes and abilities. Just a little heads up, like we don't know it already, but parenting on the enterprise... It's first season with your children. And it goes so fast. Make your head spin. I mean, it seems like one point I'm playing peekaboo, and then my daughters are saying, I do. Use your time wisely. Now, I know this is a hard message today. My intent, again, is not to put a bunch of stuff on us but it's to say there's a lot on the line in this parenting thing. Now, next week we're going to get into real practical stuff uh, 
talk about what kids need most, what kids are, are screaming for, and praying will, will be in their life, okay? So let's stand for a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, I thank you for all the parents, the grandparents, the great-grandparents, the neighbors, the uncles, aunts. God, I just pray that you would sure us up, that you would strengthen us, that you would help us to just be the people you created us to be, that we would have an impact for you. God, it's so easy for us to get focused on all kinds of other things. And we just kind of knock you off the top. In fact, sometimes just knock you plumb off the list. God, I pray that we'd give you a priority in our life. We need your strength. We need your wisdom as we navigate in this world. God, I thank you for all the people that have marked our life. I thank you for the people that marked my life. My, not just my family, but neighbors that changed me, teachers that encouraged me. God, I just thank you that you put some people around me that kept pointing me to you. God, we celebrate those people. And God, I know in eternity we will Thank you. Thank you and thank them for that influence. We give you the glory. We give you the praise this day and every day. And all God's people said,